Welcome back to another episode of 68 Shining Moments. Today, we have none other than Khalid Elamine, who shocked the world in 1999 with the Yukon Huskies. Welcome back to another episode of 68 Shining Moments. I am pleased to be joined today by Khalid Elamine, the star of the 1999 Yukon National Champions, who shocked the world. Of course, Khalid, thanks for being here, man. Oh, yeah, Rob. Thanks for having me. Let's get busy. Let's talk some hoops, baby. <laughs> so uh, since you've been there, and since you left, UConn has kind of become a national brand and you helped pave the way for that. Uh, you know, they're one of the most storied programs mm-hmm. in the last decade. But I want to rewind before you actually got there. Um, when you were recruited and when you committed to them, they okay. weren't quite at the level that they are right now. They've won a couple of Big East titles, uh, but Calhoun had kind of you know developed a rep for being like the, the best coach that had never been able to win the big one or whatever it was at mm-hmm. the time. So how did you end up making the decision to move from Minnesota to, to Connecticut? How, how did you decide that that was the right move for you? Well, it all happened um, on my visit. Uh, UConn had been recruiting me um, throughout the high school, but early in high school, I had made the commitment uh, to the University of Minnesota. So uh, I wasn't being recruited by any school and um, had the opportunity after the ABCD camp, uh, you know, I was one of the top 10 players at ABCD camp and I got an opportunity to play with the Long Island Panthers and Lamar Odom's uh, AAU team. And so I was on the circuit with the Panthers. And of course, Lamar Odom uh, was one of the best players in the class of 1997, was being recruited by everyone. And so I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, see how he was being recruited. And I was got kind of jealous, you know, him having all the attention. And, um, you know, after a while, I started to think to myself to see if Minnesota was the best place for myself. So, um, you know, after a few tournaments on the circuit, uh, you know, I, I decided to I was going to you know, give up or declass myself or, um, uh, un, uh, excuse me, I, the word is slipping myself, but I was <laughs> going to uh, decommit from the University of, Min- of Minnesota. And so that's what I did. And I went out to uh, the University of Connecticut on a visit and had an opportunity to play with the team. And Rob, it was just like a, a match made in heaven. You know, um, it, we just jailed so well with each other. And I was allowed to be myself and, you know, have my characteristics of being a leader and telling players what to do. And it's kind of a legend at UConn right now when I came to play pickup with the team and how I was just out there telling all the upperclassmen what to do as, you know, as a uh, senior in high school. And so that was a big deal for me. And us meshing like that, uh, you know, during the pickup games was really big for me. And I think that's what really put me over the top to say, I think Connecticut is going to be the school that I want to attend. I've actually heard that story that a lot of people just kind of like, who, who the hell is this kid from Minnesota <laughs> than everybody right now? Yeah. Um, I, I, I got to ask you this too. So you're from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jim Calhoun is recruiting you uh, for people that have not heard Jim Calhoun speak. He has a, uh, a very distinct accent, shall we say? So I want to know how long it took you to fully be able to understand the, the language that Jim Calhoun speaks. Can well, you I don't, I'm not going to put an actual number on it, Rob, because if I put a <laughs> number on it, it might not be correct, but, you know, I'm still trying to decipher some of the things uh, that coach have said uh, to this day. But, um, you know, I can definitely understand when he's angry and his urgency, <laughs> his sense of urgency was, uh, you know, I think the major thing that has stuck it stuck with me uh, throughout my professional career. And, and now that I'm uh, done with basketball, um, you know, just that sense of urgency and, and not being relaxed and always, you know, up for the challenge is something that, you know, I, I take away from him. And I thank him dearly for that because that has helped me uh, in my lifetime. 
So the first year that you get to UConn, you guys are really good. You, you won the Big East tournament. I believe you won the Big East regular season title as well. You're top yep. 10 nationally. Uh, I think you made it to the Elite Eight where you lost to that UNC team that had like Anton Jameson and Vince Carter and Shamal yes. Williams and yes. just loaded. Uh, but you guys returned everyone for, yep. for the 98-99 season. So um, heading into that year, like what, what's what's your mindset? Are you thinking like, hey, this is our year. We're, we're going to go win it all. Like look how good we are. This is our oh, team. yeah. You know, we were coming off, like you said, coming off uh, um, the final eight, the grade eight, and um, losing to North Carolina basically on their home court. So that gave us a lot of motivation um, and a lot of confidence to come to the next season. Like you said, we returned everyone. Everyone knew their role. Um, everybody was, you know, was excited to come back and make that next push um, to try to get past the final eight. And, and that was the job at hand. And uh, we prepared like that. Uh, that off season and during that season, um, you know, we were uh, number one for, I think, 16 weeks, um, I believe so. So it was definitely a year that we had our eyes set on. And, uh, you know, we just we did a lot of sacrificing for that year because we knew that year could have been special. And it definitely was. Yeah, I, I looked it up. I think it was from December 6th until February 16th. You guys are ranked. Okay. Uh, number one in the country, which is actually a little bit of a talking point for, for when you get into that tournament, because everyone said Duke is yeah. the best team in college basketball. And you had spent yeah. so much time with that hype. But before we get into the actual Duke game itself, I just got to ask you, everyone uh, thinks about at, at least. So I grew up in Connecticut. Right. And I, I was right. very aware at the time that there was kind of this this narrative around the UConn program that, yeah, they were good, but they couldn't actually get it done and they mm -hmm. couldn't win the big one. And it's always yeah. like that, right? Like any coach that comes up, they're the, they're, they're the best that can't get it done until they actually get it done. Right. Until they actually um, do it. So you're heading into the elite eight game. You're playing 10 seed Gonzaga and, and Gonzaga back then is not what Gonzaga is right now. They were, this was very much their introduction yeah. to the country and you guys are down at halftime. So I've, I've always been curious. Look, what is that? What is that halftime locker room like? Are you are you guys nervous? Is it getting a little? You know, are you getting a little uh, a little worried about it? Or are you guys just kind of like, well, yeah, they came up and came ready to play. We just got to go get it done in the second half. Yeah, I don't think that uh, we were. I can call it nervous <laughs> at halftime. I think um, you know, if we were down, like you say, we were down. Then it was one of the more fiery speeches that Coach <laughs> Calhoun gave us, and. Um, you know, I, and I think a part of that was on me, you know, uh, during that game, I didn't have one of my best offensive games. And, and so I think that, you know, during that first half, the team missed my production. And so, um, you know, I could take the blame for that one. But, you know, as a team, we really uh, still competed on a defensive end. And throughout the whole 40 minutes of the game, we were able to win the defensive battle because, uh, you know, our team was just mentally minded like that, you know, just always focusing on the little things. Coach reminded us, Coach Hobbs would always remind us about the little stuff and us just really locking in on defense. No matter if you were having a great offensive game personally, you had to be there for the team defensively. And I think that I was still playing defense the way that coach would have liked, even though I wasn't having one of my better offensive games. Yeah, so you guys end up getting it done. You get to the Final Four. You take care of, I believe it was Ohio State in the yes. Final Four. Yes. Um, it, that was like the Scooney Penn, Michael Red team, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. So they oh, were yeah. good too. Like you, you took, yeah. you took down some big teams on the way uh, to the title game. So we get to the final and the narrative of this game kind of becomes like, you got this juggernaut Duke <laughs> against these little underdogs, uh, UConn. And, and yeah. I, I still don't understand quite how it got to that point, because like I said, you guys had spent more time at number one during the season than Duke did never well, ranked outside of the top five, but somehow it was like, you got coach K and Duke and the best team ever against some school from a state that everyone knows from like 
pizza and be in New York City suburbs. So like, what? <laughs> how aware were you guys of that? And I'm sure that you were, but like, how much oh, of that yeah. plan oh, yeah. motivation? We were definitely aware of it. And I mean, Rob, I mean, come on, we have to understand Duke's situation at the time. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they had a roster that was, you know, second to none in the country. You know, you had Elton Brand, you had. Uh, Chris Burgess, you had Shane Battier, Corey Maggette, you know, you had all the top players going to that school. So rightfully so, everyone should have looked at them as the favorite. But we felt uh, us being, like you said, number one for longer than they were number one during the season, um, you know, and then coming into the game, we were going to be a 10 point underdog. We felt like that was just a little bit too much. And we took it as a kind of disrespectful. And so, um, you know, always using, always trying to find motivation, coach, uh, you know, his brilliant self pulled that and took that into our uh, team meeting uh, the night before the game. And that gave us some little extra motivation, knowing that, you know, uh, the 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 betting folks and the rest of the country thought that uh, Duke was going to beat us by 10 points. Yeah. So um, I just have one quibble with that. You said that you guys that Duke had a roster that was second to none. I would say that they had a roster that was second to one. Uh, well, one team won the title that year. <laughs> one team did win the that's title. That's a nice play. That's a definitely good play, Rob. And, and, and you know what? And it, that's only right. That's only fitting. But I was just making the point that, you know, coming into the – on paper, Duke had a great team on paper. But And that's another thing why Coach, you know, he, he's just so close to my heart because he always told me that's why you play the game. Even though a team could be better than you on paper, you still have to play the game. And, and he was right. We played the game and we know what happens from there. So in the game itself, they jump out to a lead early. I think it was yeah. like nine to two. And I think they got up by like, I think it was 13 to four. They were up by a little bit. Ricky yeah. Moore goes nuts. He has 13 oh, yeah. in, uh, in like a 12 minute stretch in the first half. Oh yeah. Um, did you guys know that, that he was capable of that? Have you seen that in practice? Like where, where did that come from? What do you, what do you remember about that run that Ricky went on? Well, yeah, we, we knew that he was definitely capable of a run like that. Um, you know, we, we see it every day in practice, but you know, when it comes to the game, Ricky is such a team player and such a role player that, you know, he concentrated on his role and, and, and how to help the team in his role. So he never really focused on scoring too many points, but at that time when we needed the most, I was in foul trouble the first half, we weren't clicking like we usually were, um, offensively, but we needed that boost from him. And he just came with the perfect timing, the perfect you know, the perfect game to just explode with, like you said, 11 or 13 points in the first half. I was so proud of him. Um, you know, for me, not being able to have a great first half, but him for picking up the slack, he gave me extra confidence for the second half to go out there and perform. Before we continue that interview, I just had to let you guys know that it is that time of year again. We have waited two years for this moment, and it is finally here. March's biggest tournament is back. Gonzaga's getting ready to run the table. Slippers are being fit as we speak. And our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, are putting our listeners at the center of the action. How? If you bet $4 on an underdog in a select game this week, and that underdog wins, you win $256. That's right, $256. Here's how it works. You download the app now. You use the promo code FIELD68 when you sign up. Scroll through the list of select underdogs, bet $4 on one of them to win, and cash $256 when they do. There is no better way for you to put your college hoops knowledge to the test and then to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I know this because I use them. So remember. 
The code is FIELD68. That's FIELD68 to turn $4 into $256. For a limited time only, must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Right. And so when you, you're the point guard, right? You see that your guy going yeah. like that? Are you just feeding him the ball every single time, trying to figure out where he is, how to get him open? Definitely. When I was on the court, I was trying to get him the ball, but the ball was finding him. And that was just a great characteristic about our team. When someone had the hot hand, the ball seems to always find those hands. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a, a deal of, you know, we knew he had it going. So let's make sure that we continue to feed him. All right. So, um, you, you you already mentioned you didn't play great early in that first yeah. half. I think you had like six turnovers in the game. You missed a couple shots, but yep. down the stretch, like you you took that game over. You had you had the big bucket to uh, I think put you guys up by three. You hit a couple of big free throws. So um, specifically, I want to talk about that possession where you hit the floater because that's the one that always sticks in my mind. You come off that ball screen, you got the little hezzy. You yep. get uh, I forget who it was. The big guy was it Elton Brand. You get him off balance. You yep. go left and you hit that kind of like it was a floater or a, I don't even know what you would call yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Hit the shot. So take me through what you saw in that possession. What you remember about that possession? What play was called? Was that the coach oh, yeah. watch you, you taking know, that shot? Uh, you just free. That, that was it? one of our our main sets, Rob. We definitely coming in in the half court set, and one of our go to plays was. Uh, you know, the high screen and roll and allowing me to try to make something happen, try to create something. And um, on that particular play, I was able to uh, gain the advantage on Elton Brand. Um, like you said, a hesitation move and, um, you know, got him to stand up a little bit. And I was able to uh, get past him a little bit and was able to hit the floater. Like I said, it was one of my main shots and uh, a shot that I practice all the time. So uh, I had a lot of confidence with that shot and I was able to knock it down. And I always prided myself on stepping up in the big moments. And I think that's when every big time player really uh, shows himself is in those key moments in the moments where down the stretch where the team needs you the most. And, you know, I, I, I like I said, I really looked at my player as a as a closer and uh, I was able to to make a big time bucket for our team when we really needed it. Yeah, I think there's a generation of high school kids in the state of Connecticut that all that that was their move, right? They come back <laughs> hezzy and then try to get someone off balance and go. Because I'll tell you what, man, I, I, in, the, in, in the driveway, I did that a whole bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, kids. the hesitation back in the 90s was a very popular move. I should have copyrighted it, but <laughs> I didn't I, I didn't have the, 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 the business genius uh, in my mind back then. But it definitely was a great move. And uh, I was able to gain the advantage from it. And you know, um, every guard should have that move in their repertoire. So uh, you guys take a three-point lead. Duke comes yeah. back and scores. They get a stop. You force that turnover. I think it was Ricky on Trajan Langdon. He, had, he ends up tra- – it was Traveler or Double Dribbler or something. So it, it, was, it was Ricky on Trajan Langdon for yep. about 10 seconds, and then it was Langdon on four of us because we all crowded him and ran mm-hmm. over to him. But, yeah, Ricky Moore did a terrific job, man. And, 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 and what else could we say about that, man? The guy who uh, was the best defender on our team, who always t- took the challenge of guarding the other team's best player, and, man, it, he, he, he stopped them on the most important possession. So, um, you know, we were Twice, all happy back to back. Ricky- Twice in the last 15 seconds he stopped. Man, the yeah. guy was a monster, man, and, and that's why – and that's why we loved him so much because he was always ready and stayed ready. Did you ever get him in practice? Oh yeah. You know, early on as a freshman, you know, we had our battles, you know, 
you do that, you know, as an upperclassman and younger classman, you know, I had to earn my stripes, so to speak. So it was a lot of one-on-one games with me and Ricky, and I had to earn his respect. And, and, and that's what happens in, you know, in college basketball. And so I was able to do that early on and he got, I gained his respect. And so he was able to, and, and felt good about scooting over and allowing the younger uh, underclassmen to come in and play such a pivotal role for our team. So you hit two big free throws with six seconds left in that game, right? Can you just kind of, what do you remember from those moments? Like what's going through your head? How much pressure is on you? Are you, are you nervous? Like those are that, that's what everyone dreams, right? All of Minneapolis is watching you. You can't miss <laughs> this shot, you know, and, and that's what's going through my head. But, but no, I know I practiced free throws, you know, shot millions of free throws throughout my career. And it was just another shot. And like you said, big time players. And like I said, I prided myself um, on making the big shots during the, during the stretch and when my team needs it the most for so to me it was routine um you know no matter with 60,000 people watching me uh, I just wanted to uh you know shoot the shot like I regularly regularly do and uh you know I was blessed for it to go in both of them the the first one you switched the second one kind of rattled home a little bit you and, think and you no know, me and William Avery had some words before that that's the reason why the ball hit the rim so much because I wasn't really concentrating on shot I was concentrating on making my point to him <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think you did, man. I think you did. All right. So then then comes the play that everybody remembers, right? Trajan Langdon going full court, kind of runs into like four different people. Oh, yeah. Balls down, turns the ball over, and you take off running. You go straight to Jim Nance, and everybody on the broadcast hears, we shocked the world. We shocked the world. Just take me through take me through that moment, like what you're feeling, what you're thinking. Like, why, why are you running straight to Jim Nance? Like, what, oh, what yeah. happened? There? I mean, um, you know, when – we were able to stop uh, Treasure Lane and we're able to turn them over and, and the clocks uh, were at zero and, and we were up. You know, it was just a lot of adrenaline, Rob, of course, you know, being number one in the nation, being uh, beating the big powerhouse Duke, just all of those emotions came out. And, um, you know, I don't know what made me run over to the table, but I had remembered uh, that I did say we were going to shock the word at the beginning of the game. So, you know, it was only fitting for me to run over to uh, to the table and just, you know, let the fans know, let the country know and let UConn know that, you know, you know we shocked the world and, um, you know, we, we, we told you we were going to do it. How did you, how was it so audible on the broadcast? Did you like grab his headset and put it on the screen? <laughs> did you get in his face? I don't know. How, I don't know. I don't know how it was so clear, but you know, I must've been yelling so loud. So uh, like I said, it was a lot of adrenaline, 60,000 people. I had to be loud. So, um, you know, it was just something that uh, the, of the moment um, right then, but you know, Hey man, we, we felt great. Um, you know, it was a long season. Uh and so for us to top it off with a championship was just icing on the cake. How often do people reference that to you? How often do you hear Ooh. you shock the world? You shock Well, it depends on what state I'm in. If I'm in a Connecticut, I'm, I'm going to hear it at least three or four times a day. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. But I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Hey, yeah. we're notched down in history. You can't take champions away. So, hey, I'm fine with that. I can hear it 20 times a day. It wouldn't bother me. <laughs> all right. So, um, I've talked to a lot of people doing these, these one shining moment things. Yeah. And uh, one, I think it's, it's weird. Some people remember the, the, the biggest moment, like crystal clear. They remember every single little thing, like to the smallest detail. Others just don't remember anything. I did one of the Steve Merfeld, the guy who was the coach at Hampton. They got picked up after they beat Ohio state. You know, that picture where yeah. the guy's holding him and his feet are just kind of sticking up in the air. Yeah. Um, he said he doesn't remember any of that. Like he, he just completely blacked out during the celebration. Yeah. So I, okay. I want to know 
from the time of the final buzzer until like you guys are back in the locker room celebrating? Like what, what do you remember about that? What are your best memories? Like who are you going and hugging first? Like, do you have, do you, do you still register all of that? Um, I can remember just a blur. Yeah, it, it is almost a blur, but I remember this, just the feeling of elation walking back to the locker room, um, with the guys all smiles and, and, and you know, just hugs and tight hugs and, and, and just just the camaraderie of the team and knowing that, you know, the, the, the job that we set out uh, uh, to do, um, you know, back in the preseason, back in uh, November and, and, and October paid off. And it was just a, a great feeling. And I just remember soaking it all in like, wow, we're number one in the country and, um, you know, it was just a great feeling in that locker room with, with, the, with the brothers and with the team. It was just phenomenal, man. I, I can't speak it into words, but it was just a great feeling to know that we were the best team in the country. What did you guys do that night to celebrate? Oh, did you, oh man. Did you guys uh, call back uh, now, that's not a blur. Now, we, uh, we all hung out together. We all spent our time. The families were together. And um, we just had a great time in the team hotel, man. I don't think anyone went to sleep. Uh, we were just, you know, up going crazy and, and, and just couldn't wait to get back to the uh, to the home turf, to Connecticut. And um, by, wow, when we landed and saw the fans on our welcome ride back to the campus, it was phenomenal. It was really beautiful. So I, I got a chance um, in 2019, actually in Minneapolis, uh, after Virginia won, I was able to go and, and into their team hotel, into the team party afterwards. And what I don't think people realize about this is, the national title game tips off at 9:20, right? It's not going <laughs> to yeah. end until like 11:30. Then yeah. you're going to have the celebration and cutting down the nets and doing all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, you'll get That'll back. take you until like 12:30 or one. Then yeah. you have media that you have to do until like one or 1:30. <laughs> Let's see. <laughs> Just come say hi to someone real quick. Okay, give me one second, okay? I see a Yes, we're we're all, yes we're almost done. <laughs> it's all good. We'll we'll, we'll keep we'll, maybe we'll keep that in. Maybe no we'll, problem. Sorry about that. Um. So, yeah, I made it back to the team hotel to celebrate with them. And I don't think people realize, like, so after you cut down the nets, it's probably like one o'clock. Right. And you got to take the team bus back and you don't actually get back to your hotel until like two, two thirty in the morning. At which point, like, you got to get your postgame meal at some point. Like, so <laughs> it's, it's wild how long yeah. that that yeah. process ends up going. So when you say you don't sleep, it was like probably like three or four hours before you had to wake up anyway. Right. Oh, yeah, it definitely was. And, and who wanted to sleep at that night anyway? And. You know, we wanted just to stay up and keep the memories going and, and, and party with your family, you know, with, with the fans who, who supported you. So it was a great night. I didn't need to go to sleep. I think I stayed up, you know, until the next the next night. I probably was up 48 <laughs> hours straight. So I heard a story about uh, after the game, right? I heard a security guard stopped you at one point during oh, the yeah. celebration because he didn't believe that you were actually a part of the team. Is that true? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I was actually I was still on the court. And uh, I may have uh, put on a hat. I think that's when we were just giving the hats and put a hat on and a T-shirt on the, the T-shirt. And um, I, I don't know how he could have you know, mistaken me for anybody other than a player. But, yes, he had held me back and, um, you know, was trying to prevent me from, you know, going across the court and, uh, you know, very nicely asked him to remove his hand. And, you know, uh, it, it was just a, a brief uh, I, uh miscommunication it's like I, you just saw me i just hit the game when he shot <laughs> man like what do you what do you do i can't get on the court now what are I, you doing I, 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 there's no way i could make that up no way <laughs> so when you get back to connecticut i, I just got what's what's the reception like are there fans at the the airport were they yes 
That's what I meant. You know, fans at the airport going crazy. Then when we're driving back towards the campus, Rob, you had employees on top of their buildings where they where they worked at, holding big signs up, congratulating us, waving to us. Uh, man, it was awesome. You know, and it's about a 40 minute ride from the oh, airport, yeah. you know, back to campus. So, you know, going that whole stretch and, and seeing all the businesses and all the people just wanting to to show their appreciation for us. It, it meant the world to me, it meant the world to our team. And, you know, it just know you, you know how much basketball, what basketball means to the state of Connecticut. So when you when you look back at it now, like what are your what are your defining memories from that that NCAA tournament run? Like what's the, the one story, the one memory you have? that really kind of sets everything into, to, into um, perspective for you. I just think, you know, how tough our team was, you know, uh, we faced adversity and um, you know, we didn't let us shake us, you know, everyone had each other's back. We supported one another and it was just a real team, a real camaraderie. And, you know, when you run up against a team, you know, uh, like our 99 team, you're not, you're not going to get a lot of wins against that team because they just know how to play. You know, each player knows one another, uh, you know, like the back of their hand and it's just a great team effort. So when you come up, uh, come up against a real team that's clicking on all levels, Man, it's just a beautiful thing, and that's what I remember most, and that's what I take away from that. It's just the 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 way that and the love that our team had for one another, and the way that we competed for one another was was like, you know, I haven't been on a team since uh, with that type of love and that type of uh, level of of com- competition. Well, I'll tell you this much: fourteen year old me thought the exact same thing about you guys watching that. Like that was one of the defining moments for me as a sports fan growing up was watching you guys shock the world and being able, I still remember like going into school the next day and everybody has on like their UConn t-shirts <laughs> and UConn hats and everything. And it was, uh, that was one of those days where I'm pretty sure all of the teachers as well. Cause I specifically remember like we had a whole bunch of classes where it was just like, we ended up watching a movie that day. So I'm assuming all the teachers were like out partying that night and celebrating all hungover. So they had, uh-huh. I'm not teaching today. Hey, that's beautiful. That's a beautiful story right there. I, I'm glad. I'm happy we were able to help out on that day to free you up a little bit, Rob. It's, it's a great thing. <laughs> yeah, that, that's what I needed, man. Well, listen, Khalid, I appreciate the time. Uh, this was a lot of fun going down memory lane a little bit. And I, I thank you for coming on this episode. No problem. Thanks for having me.